Welcome to the Successful Contractor, powered by CertainPath, a show for residential contractors about residential contractors. We chronicle business journeys, share insights, and celebrate successes in this wonderful industry. I'm your host, Bob Houchin. For more information on how CertainPath can put your contracting company on a certain path to success, visit our website, www.mycertainpath.com. I hope you enjoyed today's show and take away another or two. Gentlemen, thank you so much for being here. Uh, for those who are watching or listening and not familiar with who you guys are, please share with everyone your name, your company name, where you guys are located. Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm Adam Valacourt, Adam Valacourt Roofing. We're located in uh, Milford, New Hampshire. Very good. And this gentleman next to you? Yeah, yeah. This. So I'm Scott Knuckles, and I'm the GM for Adam Valancourt Roofing and Construction. Very good, very good. We're talking for a great reason. Business has been great. Uh, last couple of years especially, kind of share with everyone how you've been growing and what you're hoping to hit in revenue this year. Go ahead. Yeah, so we are, our plan this year is to grow 15%. Our it, our ideal is to grow uh, 15% every year and, yeah. and hit $21 million in revenue. So it's uh, that's what we've done three years in a row. So we're pretty pleased with that. That's fantastic. And and, and before we hit record, I asked if you did much insurance. You said, no, it's really retail based sales on that 21 minute, which is fantastic. So you're not beholden to the giant storm and all of a sudden doesn't show up for two years and <laughs> that's and right. bad things happen. So I'm excited to learn about the operation, which you guys do. But before we get into that, I love learning people's individual stories. I think a lot can be learned from it. Um, well, Adam, let's start with you. How did you end up getting into the trades? Oh boy. I, uh, you know, my dad was in the trades and I, and I, uh, he always wanted me to work for him. So I, you know, when I was younger, I, Finally got strong enough, or I thought I was strong enough, and I I, I went and did a roofing project for him. I had to clean up the ground, and uh, I was like, by the end of the day, I was like, who would want to do this for work? <laughs> and 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 I failed miserably. He had to climb off the roof and and finish cleaning the ground because I just couldn't do it. I yeah. was too young and too tired, and uh, and he um and and then the little you know, but now to me, like later on, I I just gravitated towards the field. Yeah. Um, and got really good at it very quickly. So yeah, that's that's kind of how it all began, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So now, why did you decide to start your own business? Um, I I got to a point um, working for people where I was just uh, more driven. I think maybe yeah. more wanted more. Didn't 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 want to settle for mediocre. Yeah. And I was kind of like at a certain point, I'm like, well, I might as well just go do this on my own. Right. And uh, I didn't, I didn't relate to some of their values and how yeah. they were doing things. And I, and I, um, it bothered my, my conscience. So sure. at 29, I launched 29. Yeah. I went on my own. Yeah. Were, I was, uh, were you in sales or were you in a management role at that point, your previous company? No. Um, I was, uh, I was installing roofing projects yeah. for some of these guys that ran businesses and, um, I could do the install great with any team that was there. I could get it done fast, efficiently, and, and maybe extremely profitable. So that's how that's how it began foundationally yeah i was um you know athletic tenacious and uh that that part organizing the teams in the field was um my foundation where i where right. i began right so how many years ago you're, you're pretty young guy still so well, I'm, I'm 49 now so oh yeah, man so, creeping up so yeah yeah <laughs> i am yeah I, I totally am i um yeah you know it goes it comes fast it but does. yeah so but yeah 29 i um I began with an old rusty pickup truck and three thousand dollars in my yeah. pocket. Now, how 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 fast did things start progressing? Relatively fast. Um, back then, you know, a million dollar business was was a decent size operation. Sure. And 
I always made sure we were per- really profitable, and I always wanted to charge um, enough so we could uh, pay our pe- people well and make a reasonable profit because it's really hard work. So, yeah. um, but I stayed small for about a decade. Um, but our reputation was really good. We 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 just um, kind of dominated our, our small market, yeah. um, and we were the go to company. So I I could turn down a lot of work because we I just I wasn't really interested in scaling. I was I was um, doing well enough, and um, and, and didn't really know how to, right. uh, you know, until um, you know 2014 is where it kind of started to change. Yeah, what was the change? Um, I, I met a, it was funny, I met a pastor at my church and he, he, he was, um, I told him a little bit about my business and he had had some business, um, success, uh, you know, growing businesses. And he's like, you, you're a really good three point shooter. You need a great pastor. Mm. And he hooked me up with a, uh, a guy from the church and met him at a diner and, uh, half an hour later, the guy's like, I don't know. I just want to go come work for you. So mm. I, I got him in there. He started being kind of like a great passer for me. And then we started to grow, uh, very quickly. Um, and then in 2015, we doubled, we went from like 2.6 million to 5.3 okay. and we were blowing up. Like we didn't have SLPs in place. We didn't have, <laughs> sure. And that's I, normal. Right. And, yeah. And we were, I mean, profits soared and I was kind of miserable because, because okay. I was, um, this isn't really what I wanted. I didn't want the strain and the pressure, we couldn't juggle everything. Sure. And I, um, I, I, I told him, I said, Hey, if we don't get help, we're going to back up. Yeah. You know, and I actually prayed about it and I, you know, I'd, I'd ask God like, Hey, if you want me to do this, I need some help. You need to give me, yeah. and, um, you know, formally SGI, but certain path like showed up on my radar and yeah. I was like, I followed that leading and, and, yeah. and that, that, that was where our beginning that came to, to help us uh, on our business, of course, and it was, it was desperately needed. Support for this podcast comes from Yellowstone Local. Are you a home service company struggling to find experienced employees to hire? Then you need to schedule a meeting with Yellowstone Local, the undisputed leader in helping home service companies build high-performing teams. Yellowstone Local doesn't just fill open positions, they shift your entire recruiting paradigm, changing your brand into a magnet for amazing people and helping you hire people that embody your vision, your drive, and your commitment to excellence. With an intentionally extensive approach, you'll have a partner that builds and executes the entire process for you, saving you time and money while getting the best results. So in an industry where your product is your people, don't settle for less where it matters most. Visit YellowstoneLocal.com today and experience a different way to hire. For more information, contact Warren Lentz at 512-962-2638 or email Warren at YellowstoneLocal.com. got plenty to talk operationally yeah i don't want to let this poor guy sit here though <laughs> yeah uh yeah you've got a great background we were talking before we hit record maybe kind of share with everyone your journey to adam for roofing how you know what 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 you had been doing previously because you've been together two and a half years you told me right yeah as his general manager so can i share with everyone your what your career track's been like yeah it's it's been a crazy journey so i i was 25 years at a financial services firm and relocated all around the country. And the last place we had relocated, Adam had the property right next to ours. And so everybody kept asking me, do I know this guy, Adam Valancourt? And I said, no, I've never heard of him, yeah. not from here. 
And but I kept getting asked uh, different different places. Well, one night uh, our neighborhood had a Christmas party, and he showed up. So we we were there, and we sure. started talking, and it was as if I had known him my whole life. Yeah, and he had a he had a uh, uh, a knee that he had just had major surgery on, and he stood for like an hour and a half, <laughs> you know, talking to me the whole time yeah. in pain, but. But it was like we we made this connection, and so long long story short, we, you know, for for me, I was working for a very large company as an executive, and I I loved it, yeah. And I saw myself retiring from there, and then when he and I met, we had no intentions of working together, but we yeah. realized we had a lot of commonality, right? And we started playing tennis every week together. So I'd ask him about his business because. One of the things that I would uh, do is evaluate businesses from time to time with infidelity and then run businesses, run, run different divisions, et cetera. Sure. And I was like, man, you do it. You're doing a really good for a small company. You've like, you're doing a really great job. Yeah. So for about two years progressed, no thought of working together. And then uh, I like to joke, but he starts sending me this personality profiles <laughs> and he says i like to study people and uh, you know my team and all this and mm -hmm. there's a lot of testing for a small company i've never yeah. seen anybody do anything like that yeah uh and at any rate i told my wife i said i i think this guy if i didn't know any better he'd be trying to recruit me but i know he's not right and Please. and i i'd be remiss if i didn't share this but i i literally was walking on my trails uh, i i live on it we both live on a beautiful it's very wooded, very forced uh, with uh, uh, a large brook. And when I was walking along, I just truly felt like I'm going to be retiring. Mm -hmm. And so two years, and I heard that twice, just literally, you know, just felt like, hey, you're going to be leaving Fidelity in my mind. I'm like, no, I'm going to retire from there. But anyway, long story short, two years from that time frame, Fidelity offered retirement packages. Oh, really? He reached out to me right after that oh wow so just that per and I, I was thinking about well, what am i going to do i'm still young i got a lot to offer yeah and he came to me and he said listen the business keeps growing yeah i got every finger and toe in the dike trying to make sure. it and he has a high propensity for customer service doing it the right way and he said listen i need i want some help i need some help right. I, I need we need to be able to grow the business responsibly and so I'd, I'd like you to consider coming on board to help out and leave. That's, that's what happened. Yeah, here I am. I'm so intrigued when, when people bring in general managers from outside of an industry, what everybody else thinks, right? Because I'm sure you had other leaders in the business. So how did you integrate yourself and earn everyone's respect so there wasn't like, why'd this guy get this job and not me? You know, because that can happen. People are people, right? So how did you kind of integrate yourself, get people, you know, get everyone in to know you and, and, and say, okay, this is a guy we can follow as well. Well, I, the first thing that comes to my mind is that Adam, pardon me, Adam put me in front of every one of the t members of the team. So every member of the team interviewed me. Okay. And so they got to hear my personal story because in their mind, you're absolutely right. It's like here, Adam's bringing this guy from uh, externally doesn't know anything about roofing and construction. Right. And here he is going to, uh, have this guy, I'm going to, he's going to be my boss. Right. right. But, but that was the first thing. So that helped a little bit, but certainly didn't go very far. The second thing I did was I did a, a like an analysis with each person, got, got to know them, yeah. spent some time working through questions, what their motivations were, why they were at the company. 
And then I just started forming uh, uh, relationships with them. Yeah. And literally, I have, I think Adam would agree, I have really strong relationships. And those people are in my office every day. If if they're not in every day, it's a shock. Yeah. Because they're like, hey, this is going on. I'm just thinking about this. What do you think, et cetera. And then lastly, I think the weight of experience. Like I, did, I didn't come without management experience. I managed large numbers of people. You know, I uh, was fortunate enough to, to get a bachelor's in psychology and MBA from Boston University. Yeah. So they, they didn't see this guy coming without experience. And the lastly is that they know Adam and they trust Adam. Yeah. And if Adam brings somebody in, for the most part, they're like, if Adam is going to put their his stamp or seal on this guy, then yeah. he's probably going to, it's the right thing for the business. That's great. That's fantastic. Let's talk about the rest of the the, the, the team, the, maybe the, the more management team. Let's give them a shout out. So what are some of the other big leaders, who, who are the big leaders in the business that help things chug along? Oh, well, uh, one of the big leaders is the guy that joined me back in 2014, Scott Burroughs. He was my, uh, he was my great passer. Mm-hmm. Um, and when he started, he didn't know anything about the business either. And yeah. I was like, I don't care. You're going to know everything about the business. Cause I'm going to drag you along. And, yeah. and, and, it, and I did at first drag him along. I was a hell high energy back then. We were just, and, uh, he was kind of fresh, you know what he knew? Sure. He hadn't been, you know, doing it for 10 years and, you know, gotten beat up a little bit, yeah. but uh, I was still at high end. What team is he leading now? Uh, he, he's our director of operations. Okay. So, yeah, so he handles the operation side. Yeah. Um, High high level, uh, you know, guy, um, uh, you know, uh, can multitask to a lot of different things. High energy, sure. um, you know, used to come to meet with me at a lot of SGI events. You know, back you know when it was just me and him, yeah. and uh, you know, help create a lot of processes. Yeah. You know, build out stuff. So he's been uh, tremendously valuable. That's and, great. Yeah, he does a great job. That's great. How about who's who? handles uh, the, the re-roof crews and the call center and all those people. Yeah. I mean, does he manage all that? No, no. He's uh, like, he handles the operation side and, and um, some of our pricing, you know, yeah. with the, some of the products and um, some of our, mater- our material purchasing. He's always been handling that. Does a great job on that. And, um, but our office manager, Rich Manny. Okay. Uh, Rich, uh, how long has he been now with us? My time, four years. Four years. Yeah. Like he, he came from uh he was another guy that actually came from uh, a Chili's restaurant manager. Both Scott and Rich were Chili's restaurant managers. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, they both came over, and he's uh, he does a great job in the office, call center, yeah. um, multitasker, obviously. He has to do a lot of different things, wear a lot of different hats. Right. right. Does a great job with our call center girls. How did you know him? Did he apply, uh, or did he? he... he uh, Scott found him from, okay. you know, because of relationship, and, okay. you know, and, and, um, you know, we, we look for, you know, we're a faith-based company, right? You know, we, we look for people that have that, that faith, you yeah. know, and, um, and, and they kind of show up. So yeah. Rich is a, another one of those that just kind of appeared and that uh, yeah. got a lot of grit workhorse, you know, uh, just failure is not an option yeah. kind of guy. And, um, you know, it's, it's been, it's been en- enjoyable to see him grow in the company and yeah. continue to grow. That's in And, and, uh, and then we have, uh, Kim Lord, she, she, it's, it's funny, Kim. Kim, um, what came from my church years ago, and then she was working at the church, and um, and, and and I left the church, and then I heard that Kim um, was going to be moving on from the church, and she didn't have a job, and I found that out, and I was like, oh, I'm reaching out to Kim. She's a quality person right. with with great, yeah, extensive experience from GE, yeah, yeah, which has really helped our company a lot. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I said, I want you to come work for me, and she's like. What am I gonna do? And I'm like, I don't know yet. <laughs> I was like, I don't. It doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. I already yeah. knew who she was, 
I already knew uh, how driven she was. I already knew her faith. Yeah. And um, we found a spot for her and she's been uh, just a tremendous blessing. Um, high energy. Kim's uh, I can tend to be a Debbie Downer a little bit. So <laughs> Kim is like unicorns and rainbows. So we always balance <laughs> each other out, uh, you know, and, um, yeah. you know, kind of fitly joined together. But yeah, she's, she's tremendous. Uh, moved over to marketing for us. Yeah. Okay. Did a lot of call center stuff, but she still helps out in very... Another multitasker. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then we have uh, Rich Rich Cherney. Uh, uh, Rick Turney is our sales manager. Okay. Yeah, Rick has been around, what, five, I think it's five years now? Yeah. Yeah, we, we brought him in. Um, actually, I got him, um, recruited him from uh, a recruiter that uh, Gus uses. Uh, oh, okay. Gus referred me to a recruiter and, and got, got, got Rick uh, yeah. in. And uh, he's, uh, you know, had to learn the whole system, the processes. Right. I mean, it, but again, the ground up. He had the right values. He was the right energy. The right values, the right energy. You know, all these people are great half the time because they can deal with me. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and um, you know, not excluding Scott. You know what I mean? So, yeah. And, um, yeah. And then we have uh, Giselle. Giselle, uh, you know, CFO in our company. Uh, been here, what, now, a year and a half? For, yeah, a little yeah, over a year, about, yeah. Yeah, a little about the same, same time as you, a little bit more, mm. a little bit less. Uh, but she does a tremendous job, been great for us. Um, yes. I mean, I'm so lucky to find her. Like, when we were recruiting, we had, like, a few candidates, and I told them, I was like, all we have is, like, two people that we're choosing from. But yeah, she's been amazing, so grateful to have her. And, uh, yeah, then the rest of our team, I mean, we our, our team is all, like, just amazing. I could I could go on and on. No, that's neat. I, I got to give those people a shout out, especially how fast you guys have grown. It, it takes a team effort to do that. You, know, yeah. you can't be a single operator and no and and, and get to that level. So it's important to honor them. Um, you mentioned marketing. Individually, runs your marketing department. It's a hot topic now. I don't know how Callbine has been where you guys are in a lot of different trades throughout the country. We've seen it go down. You know, COVID's kind of I want to say it's over. I was starting in trouble, but. But either way, you know what I'm saying. Things have kind of gotten back to normal a little bit in terms of call volume. How got how have you guys been driving to to keep the call boards full and, and the opportunities uh, around in this in this environment? What's what's been key for you in your marketing? Cheer up. Yeah. So I first thing I'd say is we you know we spend roughly right around three percent of our revenue on marketing. Okay. Right. And it's a multifaceted approach because obviously you. You know, you got to have, um, you know, mail, you got to have Google. Google's such a huge part sure. today. Uh, we also do uh, media. So we do uh, TV. Yeah. Uh, we also do commercials. And and we, um, you know, the programs like Netflix, YouTube, et cetera, we, we, we stream okay. our commercials on some of those um, platforms as well. Yeah. But from, from our perspective this year, it was a big, big change for us. We had uh, a strategic priority to own the South. Okay. And in answer to your question, it, it, it like Adam is a great defensive player. We wondered if leads were going to go down this year. They've actually gone up significantly. That's great. So we've had huge growth. Uh, in fact, we've had uh, more leads than we've had enough salespeople to run the leads. So that's okay. that's that's put a, an undue burden on the sales folks that we've had. And sure. as you can imagine, if you don't right size that, you burn them out, they don't work the leads as hard as you would want them to. Absolutely. Uh, but we had uh, our strategic priority um, this year was to own the South. So we we basically rented a space in uh, Massachusetts. Okay. So in, in New Hampshire and Milford, but now 
you know, just to the south of us, we opened up Chelmsford. Okay. And we saw our mass lead flow go from, uh, go up by 269% as a result of that. Wow. So we, we understand that if you, in our world, the way we look at it, Google is your friend. Yeah. If, if you're going to truly expand, you have to expand by location. Right. And it can just be a location. You don't have to put vehicles there, et cetera. Um, but doing that, and then there are a number of key things that you have to do to be successful. One is you have to make sure you have enough photos loaded Yeah, on each area. You have to drive Google reviews. If you do those things, Google will recognize you as a true local company to that area, right. and they will offer more leads uh, to to your company. Is the bulk of your budget on then digital media, then your, of your advertising budget? Pretty much. Okay. So the, the, you said traditional media. What what are you, are you running, like on news programs or what's the been? That's correct. Like the yeah. major station we have, WMUR, we tend to do commercials there to start our season. Okay. And that's sometimes through the summer. But we found we get many more impressions if you do streaming. Okay. So really? we've moved, and uh, this is a big deal, Adam, Adam, Kim, and I, as we spend a lot of time together, but we feel like we get more impressions and we've seen a, a larger lift. Uh, in leads coming from streaming at a much co- a lower call cost, it's uh, a footprint. So okay. that's helped us out a lot. But and then this year, a new thing that we've done is wherever we do a job, we do a letter to the to a certain radius. I was going to ask about that. And then we geo geo target that area. So literally, if somebody's on Facebook, we were just in your area. Yeah. We did a roof. It's it it gives them it it just makes them think we're everywhere. Sure. And then signage, man. You got to oh, yeah. get signs in every single yard, whether it's repair or replacement, doesn't matter. Every every single job gets a, a sign. On the direct mail, is there any offer? Is it just simply saying, hey, hello, I'm your neighborhood roofer. If you need any help, I'm here. Is it- yeah, we do. We do on the mailers do an offer. Like you sit a certain amount off if you call us, et cetera. Absolutely. And, and then on the TV that you said you do to kind of start the season, is it more like just branding or is there an offer that you push that has been effective? It's for now. It's more branding. Yeah, literally, it's just who we are, yeah. how we operate. It's a it's a really awesome commercial that we built right. uh, for a customer that was uh, hearing impaired. Oh, really? And how we handled that, we showcased that in oh, our so story. You see that care. Yes, I like that. One of our values is love for people, and if anything in the community, we want them to know that when we come out, we want to show up in every area. We want to show up differently. Yeah, the the whole look and feel of our company is like wow, right. I've never seen a contractor do the stuff that you are doing. Yeah. I think that's important because I think a lot of people um, are driven into their marketing, especially TV. Oh, X amount off. And so it attracts a certain type of customer. You know, that's more of a headache. But if you advertise quality and care, you get, I think, a a higher uh, type of customer, a better type of customer. So very good. All right. Um, Generate all these leads. So what's your call center look like at a roofing business this, this large? So- how many call takers or CCRs? I'm not sure what you guys call them. What what's that team look like loosely? You want to share on that? Or yeah, sure, sure. So we have we have. Uh, it's interesting because as Adam shared, we do call center and office administration. So it takes a lot to run to run the company. Yeah, sure. I, I mean, everyone listening knows that it takes a village to get all the. If you're going to do it right, right, you have to you know have a lot of arms and legs to make it happen, right? So we have about four folks that are on the phones. Okay. And I would say they split their time roughly about 50-50, so 50 on the phones. Yeah. So that's, that's probably like two contact center 
reps, if they were really just on the phones full time all the time, yeah, uh, and then two are doing all sorts of other administrative okay. uh, contract entry, okay, uh, con- um, all sorts of verified checks and balances, verifications, okay. those type of things. Um, so you know that's what it looks like right now. Okay, and you said uh, before we hit record, you guys do a lot of repair work. What what per- percentage of the business is repairs? Would you guess to me? Uh, repairs right now would be, let's say, um, 10%. Yeah, 10%. Yeah, 10%. So it's pretty good for, for us. That's a big, that's a lot of money for the kind of revenue guys are doing. Yeah. How do you decide who in the call center decides we're going to send a repair tech to go look at that job versus a salesperson or do salespeople go on all jobs? How do you guys? Yeah, do it works out like everybody gets cross-trained. Okay. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll send guys that replace full roof replacements at a higher closing percentage than somebody else only yeah. ones that call for full roof replacement should the office does a great job in in asking certain questions and going through a script to qualify that lead and, and understand if that's a could that possibly be a, a a a repair that might convert to a full roof yeah opportunity and um you know we know right now like every for far every four repairs that get called one of those convert converts to a full roof opportunity, right. and they they'll they'll look in their rearview mirrors every single week and keep measuring the the effectiveness. Okay, to to book for I mean book for impact or book for profits. Yeah, uh, and we 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 do at times have to throw away a small percentage um, of leads because they're they're you know roofs three four years old and we just can't get the guys out when it comes in in that mass. Yeah, you know, but we, yeah we'll cross train every one of our techs does. Um, can do everything you so they know can sell they can sell they can all sell yeah okay um some guys have lower closing percentages because they're newer but yeah um you know repair division without that we would not be where we are yeah you know, we had to build that out over the years we had to get really good at it yeah and uh and it can be a real frustrating to do that because yeah. um you know a friend of mine was like you know pay attention to your customers your customers will tell you what you need to get better at right by asking them and yeah then we're they were demanding that we get better at repairs mm. and, uh, and it wasn't easy. It wasn't fun. And, you know, one of my mentors, like, I didn't ask you if it was going to be easy. Yeah. I asked you if it was the right thing to do. Yeah. And, and we want to do the right thing and, sure. and, and make sure that we're, we're meeting the needs of the, the customers. Yeah. With that. So, yeah. So is that your sales manager then who pretty much is deciding, okay, Joe is better at these types of, or the call center managers all. Yep. Yeah. They, yeah. The call, the contact center manager literally is like the conductor. Yeah. And what, one of the things Adam asked us to to do is look at how we could become more effective in determining the value of the opportunity and the complexity of the opportunity uh, and put that against the right rep. So right opportunity to the right rep at the right time. Those three things are key. And let me give you an example of that. It's like if a full roof comes in today, we want that booked within three days. Okay. First to the, this is Adam's, first to the door, first to score. Yeah. We don't, we say that lightly because it's all about the customer doing the right thing for the customer. But it's, if we get there first, we can truly provide the value and help them understand what we do and how we do it and how it's different. Right. That makes a big deal. But one of the things for the folks listening that's critical is, is comping. Cause that's what he was asking. How do you, how can they see, see a contact center person? If they, if they're not truly vested, they just take the call and they book it. Sure. They, and then they move on to the next one and the next one. So then you got to ask yourself, well, how do we stratify the opportunity so we get it to the right rep at the right time? Right. Right. And so we put an incentive-based plan Perfect. to predict 
what's going to be a conversion versus what's going to be a repair. Sure. And believe it or not, if it's a repair, they predict accurately 85% of the mm. time. So we know that most likely when they go out on a, on the repair that they designated as a repair only, yeah. that newer reps could go on those or, or reps that are more proficient in repair close rates. Yeah. And then for the top of the house, those customers are more complex or we think they're a conversion, then we could put those conversion opportunities to the reps that are better cast to convert to lead. So we try to be as careful as we can, and we and we are transparent with the sales team. Yeah, it's like if you up your game and you get better, then we're gonna, we're going to move you up the ladder of complexity, right? And you're going to get a a much more difficult caliber opportunity. And but if you're not, we can't waste it. We got to be able to do the right thing, you know. If you communicate it, I don't mean people know at least where they stand and how how it gives them something to shoot for, right? right? So it's not like there's some you know, conspiracy against them. This is right. Boys. I mean, which, you know, sales guys, that's oh, like, well, not yeah. my leads. It's sure. not getting enough or the quality is enough. But, the, but we are like, no, we can show you what right. we've given you and how you performed with it. But, I, w- I want to talk about sales. So how many salespeople are you running then? Right uh, now we got 10. You have 10. So, yeah. I mean, that's, as you said, that's, you know, salespeople are a different cat, right? You know, so how, how do you, you know, and they're, ter- they're you're teaching them the technical part too, right? It's not like they're just you know okay, a couple of weeks of training and you go sell some rooms and we'll figure it out. So what's the first of all? Where are you finding your salespeople? Where have you had the most success? I think that's, that's we're do- we're doing a lot of Indeed. Okay, no, and it was funny. I, I I um years ago I'm like, there's a lot of guys that are applying for our operations manager position, and every time a guy would come in or a project manager might come in for a project manager position, I'm like looking at his uh, culture index profile and being like this guy could sell, yeah. you know, and, and like, we don't need him here. So ma- what about over here? So we're always being open-minded and say, Hey, where could this person fit? You know, okay. you don't always know. Um, but yeah, we, um, sales guys, they're, uh, that's where we find them. I mean, we find them there, you know, word of mouth too, from, yeah. from, from people in the company and stuff like that. Are there similar backgrounds? They come from similar backgrounds or it's all over. You never know. You, you just never know. know. Like you never know where they come from, you know, <laughs> like they're, you know, always looking. I mean, I'll start, yeah, always looking. Start, start with values first. Right. You know, that's that's paramount. And that's Adam. Like, they don't fit. I don't care how good they are. They don't, They you know, they're not going to work out here. But I would say, like, one of the things that when, when Adam first hired me, he said, we have an attrition problem and we have a hiring problem. Okay. He said, can you look into it and fix it? Because in this industry, people can be transient. They can come in and work. Sure. You put, you invest in them and then they're, they, they drop out, they go somewhere else or whatever. And he's like, Hey, we, a company like ours can't have attrition rates like that. And the, one of the first things that we noticed is that it was a side of the desk activity for each department leader. Hmm. So we said, no, yeah. we're going to take that away and we're going to, we're going to have a DRI, a directly responsible individual. Okay. So take it from the side of the desk of the leaders. Why? Because uh, our saying is hire hard, manage easy. If you're really going to bring in the right talent, you're not going to have a, the front door open and the back door open as well. Right. So they come right in, they walk right out the back, sure. and all the money you spend, et cetera. So th- the first thing we did was we said, okay, let's, we use culture index and mm-hmm. ensure the values align. We do want, we, we want industry experience of some kind for the most part. Like yeah. we did hire a guy that was in medical sales, mm-hmm. sharp guy. Uh, but he's a persuader and we said, you know, we're going to put the extra effort. So he's right. Sometimes we bend right? because the candidate kind of forces us to bend. But yeah. for the most part, um, 
uh, it's worked beautifully, and our attrition rates have gone from 49% to 14%. Oh, wow. So it's changed our business. We're keeping people, we're hiring a much higher, oh, yeah, we're hiring a much higher caliber of person, yeah. and they're staying. Right. And that's really critical. So if you think about it, he, he's right. Like, we do Indeed, but we, we give them uh, the culture index test. We do a phone screen. Yeah. We bring them in. We always do a panel interview. There is no one-on-one hiring decisions at our company. Okay. They're going to get a panel interview. Yeah. So you kind of got to work through that. Take your time. Don't make any decisions quickly. And then call the references. Okay. Yeah. You know what's amazing? Call the references. Out of that. He, he is a high level of detail. He's like, did we call the references on that person? We, yeah. Because, A, everything can sound good in the interview. So the more data that you have, the better equipped you are to make the right decision. And it, and it makes it, and then and then your peers, the people within the company, they're saying, wow, the, this is great. The company's hiring people like me that value what I value. They're hungry, humble, smart, you know? Yeah. Um, so anyway, the, yeah. those things help out a lot. No, that's great. Who's driving the process then? You see, you took it away as that yeah. sidebar issue because it is for managers. They're like, I got to worry about this, this. Well, I know I, this is important. I know it's important, but it gets shoved aside. So who, who drives the process in your business? Yeah, so we we looked at the culture index or the uh, the type for those that don't use culture index. Mm-hmm. It's a personality profile and it casts, it looks at your profile against the tasks that you're assigned. We found one person in the office that could could take on that and add the desire, had the propensity to do it and the desire to do it. And so we have her doing it. So she, uh, not only does she screen all candidates coming in, but she's part of our onboarding. So then okay. once we hire them, we embed within them, this is how we operate. This is how we treat our customers. This is how we function as a business, et cetera, et cetera. That's great. And and that's who we have doing it right now. She's doing a, a really, really great job. Had no experience, but I've... Thankfully, in my prior role, I had an awful lot of experience hiring a lot of people. Yeah. So I was able to help per Adam tighten up that process sure. and, you know, try to make it better for the company. Well, how long is your onboarding process for a sales role? It's just oh, white there. Like a year? Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. no, honestly, like you, um, you know, you bring these guys in and um, we have to take them through uh, our sales training. Right. It's like drinking out of fire. Sure. It's a lot of information, a lot of content, a lot of role playing. Um, they'll start going on ride alongs, but the learning curve is longer, um, than most. Yeah. Um, because, um, and then some of the technical, the technical training, I mean, cause we get to give them a lot of repair leads. We get a lot of repair leads and there's full roofs that are hiding in those repair leads. Well, you got, you got to learn all the technical ends of that stuff. And, and then, but we got to get you out in the field too and start you know, making some mistakes, but we have a good rear view mirror approach. Okay. When a rep goes out, you know, they're required to take certain photographs, yep. um, fill out their 16 point inspection fo- sheet, uh, you know, and we get to use the photographs and the 16 point inspection sheet to like scan if they're with the scope they might be missing and then okay. how they're pricing the job and, and, and whether or not they articulated certain information to the homeowner a certain way. All that gives us that rear view mirror to monitor that and actually get, bring guys in and provide training when we start seeing patterns. And then we'll do, um, we built out a database with various pictures of various repairs and, and the situations where previous reps have made mistakes and this is why. And we have such a culture that a sales rep is like, you know, um, hey, we, you know, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna th- throw you under the bus and let you get ran over at the sales meeting today. Yeah. We, are you willing to do that to help me? Okay. 
your, your teammates and my, our guys are like absolute. Yeah. So it's like, so that culture is big yeah. in our, in our, in our business where it's like guys aren't afraid to admit that they've made mistakes, even veterans to, yeah. and be like, and, it, it, and it's humbling, but it's really effective. It creates a great environment to learn and grow and permission for guys to make mistakes. You know, I, I hire reps and I said, you're going to cost me $30,000 this year. They're like, oh, I am. No, I won't. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you will. And it's going to be okay. Yeah. We bake it in the I said, we're going to get you great. That's what he says. It'll be, it's going to be I said, we're going to get you great. You want to be great. I said, we're going to get you great if you want to be great. And uh, so that's what we try to do. Support for this podcast comes from Home Depot Pro Trades. At the Home Depot Pro Trades, our job is helping you do yours. Powered by HD Supply, we are uniquely positioned to help drive your business through unrivaled access to professional-grade plumbing, electrical, and HVAC products, and innovative business solutions such as our StockWise Inventory Management Program, fully customizable to meet your needs and improve productivity. Our national network of distribution centers and more than 2,200 store locations provide national reach with a local focus, giving unmatched convenience and product availability. We power pros to do more. And Moen. As the number one faucet brand in North America, Moen offers a diverse selection of thoughtfully designed kitchen, bath, and smart water security products, each delivering the best possible combination of meaningful innovation, useful features, and lasting value. Moen strives to be the most durable, reliable, and easy to install brand of faucets. Moen leads on pros to help continue to drive consumer innovation and influence Moen's engagement with consumers in a meaningful way. For more information, visit plumber.moen.com. So how frequently do you guys training weekly? Like, is it is it every day? With some... You mean for sales or? Yeah, for sales, just because we're in that realm right now. Yeah, sales, I mean, we have, uh, it's it's probably about four hours a week. Um, we do a lot of role playing, various parts of our sales process. We're training, you know, various act, aspects. Um, and then we have one-on-one trainings where we bring reps in, like newer reps will be required to come in like an hour early yeah. before that sales meeting and do some technical training. And then our repair um, guy that reviews a lot of the repairs can kind of bring them in. Like before our sales meeting, I said, I want you in your office because I want you bringing in the reps. Like, hey, you come in here and you come in here and you come in here. And they just coach them up, yeah. you know, and they're just coach them up on various things. And uh, to, to, I mean, just to try to decrease that learning curve. Sure. Is that they don't know. They have to be taught, you right, know. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, that's worked. We're big, we'll build, we're building out a video database uh, to, to, to get there. We are. Yeah, we are. Um, so we're a little bit behind on that, but it's okay. Well, it's all right. I mean, if you're doing it for your individual company, I don't know how many people are doing that. So that's yeah. great. So what do you just, are you, is it just a different steps of the sales call or there's technical built in that as well? Or what kind of topic? Yeah. I mean, a lot of the stuff is a technical end of it. You know, we're going to, we're going to have a lot of the, uh, video content from, from various technical sides of various repair work okay. that we look at. I mean, you know, it seems like it's overwhelming at first, but right. then, but then there's also actual video footage of, um, a guy going out and doing analysis on roofs and seeing various situations and what to look for. Um, you know, to find scope and to be able to help customers, right. you know, right. um, you know, if we, if we have a guy that's not trained and he misses something, well, that's not providing the value that we're looking for to help that customer. Sure. Sure. You, you mentioned of training other department, what other departments are training? How frequently are they training? They, they, every group has what we call a leadership 10 meeting every week. There should be training every single week without fail. 
Does it happen every week? Not every single week. Yeah. Uh, I'd say, um, but most likely it, it is. Because if you're not, you can't, we call it idea, root cause analysis. A lot of training comes out of the broken stuff. Right. So if you don't capture the broken stuff, you don't uh, memorialize it somewhere and then bring it up for the team to dissect it. Right. Then, then you're coaching one person to fix something that is eventually going to impact the others as well. Right. So we we try to have an environment, like Adam said, with the, even with the role plays, it's not punitive. Right. It's one of our values is excellence. We we want to strive to get better every single day, and the only way to do that is training for sure. Is coaching, and because so we we do it every week. Yeah. And and Adam, actually the the. The university concept was born from Adam because we'd be in, we would be in a training because we try to attend. Actually, he and I try to attend various trainings and meetings, you know, to sit and see how it's going and see how rich it is, if it's light and, you know, whatever, um, what the engagement is, morale. Yeah. But that's why we created the, the video capability to record because at any given week, people are missing. Yeah. And so therefore you, you've got seepage. You have people that don't, they aren't catching any of it. Sure. And then the leader is busy. So it's like, oh, we covered this, check, check. He calls it box checking, you know, and we have people that just box check and then because they're, they're jammed. Yeah. And we're like, no, let's, let's memorialize it, put it in a library. Right. And then we can call it forward at any time. And instead of even having to spend 20 minutes on it in here, why don't we assign it to everybody? Say, hey, watch this video. We're seeing this is what's happening. And right. And then they can then watch it. And then with with where we're heading now around accountability, it's like, are the numbers changing? Mm. That's what it's got to be about. Yep. It's like, we're not training to train. We're training to make you better, make you more highly skilled. We'd like to see that show up in the results. Very good. That's good stuff. Yeah. The only true failure out there, you know, when you make a failure or make a mistake is if someone doesn't learn, right. the team can't grow. Right. That's the failure. Very good. So it's like when you get in an environment where a guy messed up and all of a sudden you get really excited and he's like, why are you so excited? <laughs> I'm like, what'd you learn? Yeah. Now can you go help somebody with what you learned? Right. Yeah. yeah. Good. Go do that. You know what I mean? And yeah. That's fantastic. Go do that. You mentioned um, you want to try to get to a door within three days, right? If someone calls in for a, you know, a, a replacement opportunity, maybe every opportunity. Um, let's talk about after the roof has been sold. How how the product say a roof yeah roof's been sold what's that production process like to ensure that you get the right materials for that job that the customer's happy that it's just a knockout experience can you kind of walk me through how that works at your business yeah I get so far away from some of that stuff uh, you want me to share a trail oh yeah you should at least he is he is, <laughs> he is so detailed on every little step I was heavily engaged in that whole aspect sure. and I kind of move out of it but you know. Um, we do everything from the the project manager's bio being sent to the customer to know this is the guy that's going to come do your project, and this is a little bit about him, to yeah. uh, specific SOPs to getting our project manager there on site, uh, clear explanation, explanation prior to us coming out of what to expect. Mm -hmm. um, the, the guy shows up, the guy um, meets with the customer and follows a very specific standard operating procedure. It's called a fast field form. That's step-by-step -step, uh, how to how to manage that job site. Yeah. You know, obviously he has to learn how to play checkers before he can play chess. So sure. basics first, and then they can move throughout the basics once they get better. Um, upon completion, I mean, the guy will take video footage, audio, uh, 
uh, pictures at certain timestamps uh, to record work, mm-hmm. um, pictures of underlayments and how everything's installed to back ourselves up. And then the final completion is uh, an inspection report that they have to fill out, um, crossing every T, dotting every I. Okay. And at the very end, they always ask a customer um, prior, they ask them um, and to set up for a review is like, hey, if we were to give you that great experience that you're looking for, would you mind giving us a review at the very end? Did we do that for you? Right. Yes. Would you mind giving us a review and trying to find a specific thing that the customer really liked about our company and getting them to write that specifically? Sure. It's not only a five-star review, it's a five-star review with specific content. Yeah. Um, because we want to know what we did to impact those people. Right. Our, 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 our goal is to impact people and give them an amazing experience. Well, we want to know what we did really well and we want to know what we fell short on. Yeah. So, uh, you know, even our follow-up on our, our, our phone calls, our specific questions to try to dig out from a customer what we could have done better at any one aspect of our process. So a lot of people don't want to hear that stuff. Yeah, because they want to think and believe that we're as great as we are, and, and it was always room for improvement. Sure, and 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 most personalities aren't going to want to tell you necessarily because they don't want to hurt your feelings. Right. So we always ask them a certain way to make it about the next customer that we want to serve. Mm-hmm. Would you mind sharing information that will help us give the next customer an even better experience that yeah. we gave you? Well, you know, I promise you won't offend us, and then try to get something. Right. And then dig that up. That's truly listening to your customer. Yeah. You know, if you can listen to your customer and you have to be quiet to really pay attention to what they're saying and trying to articulate, you get better at those things, then you're going to dominate your market, you know, yeah, pretty and much. I, I'll just add a quick point to yeah. that, to Adams, like the, the communication loop. One of, one of the things we did recently in mining the data from the customers, even those customers that gave us nines and tens. Yeah. So we call every customer doing that promoter score and it looks good, right? On Overall, you're like, wow, that's really great. Uh, but when you we looked into the data, one of the biggest opportunities for us was communication. Mm. Communication after the sale. Okay. Right? Through the uh, project mayor showing up on the job that day. Because in our business, weather has an extraordinary impact on whether or not we can actually produce the work. Sure. So you think about think about a uh, the director of operations scheduling 40 jobs for the week and then them all getting drifted to the next day you got to call every single it's, it's just a, a ripple effect and people don't check their text or they don't oh, even check their voicemail and it doesn't but like adam says it doesn't matter because at the end of the day they're they took off work they they want to be there and now they're angry because they didn't know yeah and so but that was one of the pieces of feedback it was like hey we uh the customer was like when these things happen we need more communication right so cause us to be creative and say, okay, how, how are we going to handle this? And and so, for example. Hey, I was, I'm down like, no, what, what, what is like, it? Yeah. So, so what happens is Scott comes to work at like 530 in the morning. <laughs> he starts he starts plowing emails and texts, but yeah. you're not checking that at no. at 8 a.m. in the morning. You're you're going to go to work and then it. Yeah. Well, what happens uh, What happens is when his mind, he's like, well, I, I reached out. I, I, I didn't get a hold of him. I didn't hear from him. Right. But now... Uh, in the morning, then we have someone from the office call. Okay. Actually, so call and try to speak with the customer okay. to just to make that experience. Just one more touch point. Why? Instead of saying, well, it's your fault, customer. We didn't, well, it doesn't matter. It's our, at the end of the day, we have to make it easy uh, and and communicate in a way that meets their needs, right?
But that's just one area. I could give you a, quite a few, but that's one area recently that now we, we're doing a white, uh, we set up a whiteboarding session and we're going to do an end to end on the customer communication loop from the sale oh. through the project manager. And we're just going to look at all the touch points yeah. around that circle and where the gap is. Yeah. So we sit, we call it a communication loop and where are the gaps in that loop. And then what we try to do is just is say, okay, what, what's the best way to solve for it? You're doing this right now? Right now. It's literally in the, it's either this next week or the following. Okay. So you haven't started that process yet. Well, well, we did, we you did, a little well, to, to put the bandaid on, we got the office to call. Okay. Because it was just, it, you know, it's a, it's a bad experience, but to Adam's, it's like, where else are we? Where are we? Well, yeah, I'm intrigued if you've unearthed some other. Yeah. So we, we will. Yeah, we will. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's great that you're actively doing that. Yeah, my my point is to the folks listening is that we do what's called a net promoter. That's an industry standard recognized way to evaluate how well you're doing with your customers. Yeah. My point is we have a we have a ninety percent net promoter. Well, most people are like, well, that's enviable. That's great. Yeah. But we always we also ask them what's one thing we could have done better to make this experience better for right. you. Right. And when you read those, even out of the nines and tens, it was, hey, you moved my job. It would have been nice to hear from you earlier or something, you know, just stuff like that. And just those little tea leaves yeah. give you enough to say, okay, if we do that, could we grab a couple of extra points on promoter for next year? Sure. By the way, everybody's paid on it. Yeah. Everybody's paid on that promoter. So okay. they're motivated to make that experience. It comp plans actually help drive a self-led uh, environment, but the, those things really help. And people are like, well, yeah, we got to get a couple more points on that promoter. Or I'm not going to get my bonus. You open that door, so I got to chase it because uh, it's all—it's always a hot topic. How do I keep my management team? Obviously, with great people, but how do you keep them incentivized, right? So the comp. So what is their comp plan for your managers to make sure they're honed in the net promoter score? What are some other things that they're really responsible for? Yeah, well, <laughs> you, you can start going to the net promoter. Uh, some of the comp plans because you—you drove a lot of. <laughs> <laughs> well, so that was another thing. But the, the couple other things that Adam had asked me about was when, when we started was consistent management rhythms. He said, I want consistent monthly business reviews with every employee okay. at the company. So the folks listening, if you're not doing that, it's really critical. Drive-by management is an effective form of management, but it never gets to the root of what's going on with an employee. Right. To get to an employee, you got to sit them down and be a deep listener of what's going on and how they, and they come in with their results for the month and tell you, this is what I said I was going to do. This is what I actually did. Yeah. And this is what I'm going to do next month. Mm -hmm. Well, now you have uh, measurable performance for every employee at the company. And we do. Yeah. Every employee has a comp plan. And my advice to the folks listening is pay less in salary and more in bonus. Meaning if this year you're going to put a 3% raise in, put it into the to the incentive plan. Yeah. Because a comp drives behavior. Yeah. If you just increase people's salaries, that's great. But if you... If you have the right KPIs and your team understands what drives those KPIs and are held accountable for them, right. then you can pay on them. Right. And that comp. So so to give you a, a very quick example, uh, Adam's like, hey, the production managers, too many errors in fast field. It makes our job costing. To cost a job was like 45 to 50 minutes. He's like, we have to get that down. That's yeah. not acceptable. Uh, our customer service rate is is going up too high. That's a repeat rework where some rip screen, nails in the yard, yeah. so, something on the roof, whatever. We have to go back out. That's rework. 
So what did we do? We built an account plan and said, listen, you're to, so just to give me an example, it's like, yes, we're going to put you out on your jobs, but what's your accuracy rate on doing that job? Well, when we started, it was 40. Now it's 80. Mm. You see what I mean? We just took, we just, the office loves us because our loves them now because yeah. they're turning in more accurate information. And then customer service was growing beyond our ability to be able to service that. Right. So we put that in the comp plan for every employee. Right. Uh, number three, Google reviews. It's like you get a Google reviews, you get what we call spiff. You're going to yep. get bait on that. Sure. So I'm just giving you an example. Yeah. You do that for every role. Right. And so everybody's, and then lastly, for the leaders listening is goal congruency. Make sure everybody's tied together. So right. the head of operations has very similar metrics to his team. Okay. So that everybody's connected together. It's like, if we don't win, and then when that employee sits down for his quarterly review and he has the potential to make five or $6,000 and he gets three, you better bet next next month he's going to start really hard saying, I need to correct these things because I left money on the table. Right, right, right. That's interesting. So for the managers, though, you, you started saying that promoter score was one, sit down, well, you said monthly. Uh, monthly business review. Monthly business yeah. review. What are some of the other core things that they have to accomplish to hit their I mean, mostly it's the basic. It's it's revenue, gross gross profit. Yeah. It's um, net income. Okay. You know, it's it's things. It's they it's the model. more that is customer service. Yeah. Uh, net promoter and attrition are really the common for most. Absolutely. Now it's like we're helping you put the right people in the seat. Right. Your job is to take care of them and make sure they stay in the seat. Right. That's great. Yeah. You talked about that. That was really neat. You're, you're whiteboarding all the touch points you have, right? And you guys are getting together as leaders. We're trying to figure out how to get better. How frequently are you guys doing that? How, a meeting as a, as a senior management team? Oh, every week. Every week. Okay. Yeah. We have a, we call it a weekly L10 meeting. Uh, every week we meet uh, where we're going over all of our KPIs, Okay. our high level KPI numbers and we're root, ca- cross, uh, root cause analyzing, analyzing, um, Issues yeah, pop up. Every department can bring issues up to the leadership team. And some of, some of those issues get dropped down to individual department leadership meetings. Uh, those are also L10 meetings. But every week, um, you know, we use EOS, Entrepreneur Operating System. has been doing that for like about three years now. And that's been life-changing for right. us. Right. So very effective. That's good. And that's in a new yeah opportunity during those meetings to work on things that are like that, the whiteboarding and stuff like that. With about hour-long meeting, you keep it. Three, hour and a half. Hour and a half, yeah. Yeah, and it, it takes up the whole meeting, you know, and we sometimes we'll get to three issues. Right. And there'll be like 20 on the board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, it, you know, that's just the way it is, right. you know, and sometimes if issues are going down, I'll be like, well, I'm going to get involved in certain areas. <laughs> I'll throw a few more up there. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, Adam's digging. We feel a little, good. He's like, digging uh, a there's a lot out there. We want to fix broken stuff. That's yeah. what, yeah. what we got to get great at doing. Right. That's the way right. it goes. That's right. I, I, you guys talked about watching those KPIs, talking about them. I mean, the key to a, a growing business is making sure you hit the margins, right? I mean, that's where you have it. You know, and, and making sure you're not being wasteful. I mean, roofing, I feel like it's such a big yeah. thing. You just wait, wait on a nuke from a reroute. So how do you like minimize that stuff? Like when you see materials start spiking up, how do you how do you get to that and address it? We have always been I have been extremely anal when it came to waste and products and materials on a small scale. So my director of operations, Scott Burroughs, understands that completely. So we're always working our material costs um, from our vendors, Um, and we we have a we're big and we supply them with a lot. So we have a little bit of leverage and we gain leverage there. Sure. The other thing is we have a project manager on site for every one of our full roof replacements. Okay. And 
people used to be like, you know, years ago, well, why do you do that? It's a lot of money. And uh, I said, no, we're doing it because of this. And they're like, well, you should do it this way. And now I think a lot of people are adopting that. And I, and I told them um, years ago, um, a project manager is going to lead to better customer experience. And a project manager, if he's doing his job, should earn half of his income in, in waste, mm-hmm. in finding waste. Right. You know, a $26,000 roofing project, you could find $200 in waste very easily. It's, yes. you know, five extra feet of ice and water shield over here, three pieces of drip edge, a bundle of shingles that gets wasted. And people think that that's not a lot of money on a $26,000. It's like, okay, we do 600 roofs a year, times that by 200. It's 120 grand. Yeah. You know, and if your EBITDA growth is like, you know, three quarters of a million dollars, I mean, what percentage of EBITDA you just found there? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and it's, and not even that, it's not even that, it's stewarding the resources. Right. You know, like we're going to, we're going to use these resources that are given to us that customers that we're charging customers for and not be good stewards. And we'll teach the guys that. And sometimes they get a little convicted. And it's okay. You know yeah. what I mean? We all get a little convicted and, yeah. you know, they're like, yeah, I should do a better job. So, you know, <laughs> and, you know, I'll, so I'll, I'll, I'll speak vision over that and kind of give them a whole scenario or, and to the production guys. Cause I was one. Sure. You know, and I get it. I understand their world. So I can relate to them differently. Cause I understand their world. Like that and the sales guys really, you know, I did both. Sure. They can't really fool me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll just add one quick point too. And, and that's for, all the leaders listening, it's it's look at your gross margin. One thing he's taught me is you you look at your gross margin on every job every week. Yeah. So we have a report that comes out every week uh, with with the margins. Why? Not because we're trying to micro. No. It's because we're just trying to understand: is there are we priced appropriately? Are we? Uh, is there certain things that we could train on that would help some of our sales guys better understand scope and how they priced a job? But we. We really like to have that every week. So we, all of us, that most of us that get that report, will scan through every job every week to see how are we doing. And you know, if you can control your margins, you you don't want degradation in your margins. So if you can control your margin, that's that's the key to a successful business, right? And so that's one of the things we we try to look at, you know, carefully, yeah, because it determines your pricing. It is so much of what you do is uh, determined by that. His labor been pretty consistent that if you have all, if you have all these incentives, right, it it's kind of built off a number, right? So it, it, if you have spikes or does it stay pretty consistent your labor percentage then? It's been safe, it's been staying consistent. That's yeah. great. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And and one of the things too, we are raises for our sub crews. I mean, this is gonna sound crazy, but they get bonused. Yeah. Accuracy, safety, quality of the work. Yeah. So at the end of the day, I mean, to think about it, how many people listening do the do they just give their sub crews a dollar amount versus saying, you know, I'll give you a dollar amount, but if you do it correctly, then we will pay you first a bonus. So that was his that was his idea. Well, they all want more money, and it's like, well, we'll, we'll give them a bonus, yeah, and, and tie it to the KPI. You, you know what I mean? So they have to earn us. Yeah, you have when you create a self led environment and you have the right incentives in place, you don't have to talk as much. All that does the talking for you. Yeah. And so people understand if I'm going to win and the company's going to win, I have to hit these markers. Right. It just makes it a much, much better environment for all of us. Uh, I want to talk about culture and core values because it's sprinkled throughout this entire conversation. Mm-hmm. You've talked about core values. 
you know, when I first heard this idea of core values, wow, 10, 15 years ago, whatever it started. Oh, it's kind of soft, smushy stuff. I mean, I've been in the industry a while, but it really drives everything. So uh, when did you set your core values? How long ago was that? And, and how frequently do you talk about them to your team? Yeah, we, uh, I mean, I personally always had values. I was very value-driven in how I did things and why I did things, but they were never written down. So they would, they would come out of me into my team, but until we started doing uh, EOS, is where we actually got more intentional on what those are mm -hmm. and uh, and why, and we let the leadership team pick them. Okay, so this is leadership that that pick those. I mean, we, I, my job was to try to pick great leaders to come in, and the leaders get the consensus on what those should be and why, as it relates to our mission. And yeah. um, so it's it's because now you're bought in right uh, to those. Right. Uh, so yeah, the so we came up with, and this was completely accidental. So it's. Uh, our four values are hungry, excellent, authentic, and a love for people. Yeah. And if you break that down, that's heal. Oh, wow. And we didn't know it was heal. We're just like, oh, yeah, we're out trying to heal the community or heal, you know, um, people and, and impact them, give them a great experience. Yeah. You know, there's some healing going on. Yeah. There. So it's like. Maybe it's meant to be. Yeah. Things have, things happen all the time when I write this. So it's mentioned, though, all the time in the business. I'm sure it's all over the world. It's more, it, a lot of people, oh, I put it on the wall, it's good enough. But that's not good enough, right? Can I get, can I get, I'll give you an example. Yeah, please. I have to do this because he, he won't, but he, he, having those values, it, it's way more than being on a wall. And I'm, I'm going to give you an example. Yeah. We had a person in the contact center that said one of our top performers was not lining up to our values. Mm -hmm. And they brought that to leadership's attention. Yeah. And that's the epitome of what, you want right it's when, our company it's our company yeah. when they see uh in this case not having someone not having excellence yeah and and um seeing things that's not uh, that don't line up with our values that person's not with our company anymore right and is she the single cotton no but she went to the leader because all the stuff that they do goes into the office the office sees everything sure, sure. and sometimes they just keep their mouth shut but in the grand scheme thing, they're like, no, th this person's violating our values. Right. And they said something and it got raised up to our attention. It cost us to dig in a little bit more. And that's what you want. Yeah, for sure. That's what you want. Uh, I've taken so much time. I want to start wrapping it up a little bit. I, it, when, when you first started, you, you started leading down the path of running into SGI, certain path. We get a lot of people that listen that are not members and watched are not members. Maybe can you speak to the value of having an organization and resources outside of your own company? to be a sounding board or just to offer ideas? Oh my God. It's, it's been life changing for my business. And, um, you know, we don't come into this having all the answers and that's okay. And we can, we're not supposed to figure it all out. And, uh, you know, reaching out and asking for help for one makes you a, a better, more effective leader right? because you can admit that you don't have answers and, um, levels your pride, you know, but the success group international, a certain path, now certain path has been just revolutionary, you know, and, and it's, and it, and it, it, it's led us to other mentoring programs that we do too, as well. Um, you know, it's just, just been, you know, in the network, you know, the ability to help other people and get help. I mean, it's, you can't underestimate how powerful and life-changing that's been for us. That's why we, a lot of people have gone out of their way to help our company. Um, and sometimes we, 
we're too busy fixing some of our own problems in our business to like, but then we, we, we do our best to reach out. And yeah. that's why it's a responsibility for us to be down here and do these things. Uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm tend to be an introvert. I don't even want to be in the face of, you know, the company yeah. sometimes, but it's like, it's important to give back and share, you know, what's worked for us to help, you know, everybody else that's coming out. That's great. That's great. How about Adam Alcor Roofing? What's the next five, 10 years look like? Have you guys talked long? <laughs> There's a lot of laughing and shoulder shrugging. What, what do you guys think? Uh, you know, it's so funny. You always got to put a 10 year vision or a yeah. five year plan. And, 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 and I'm always like, listen, those can change. You can pivot. Yeah, we got to set something up. You know, our job is to grow annually at a rate of 15%, 20%, try to grow, go our bottom line about 13 to 15%, slow, steady growth, moving in different territories, impacting more people, yeah. servicing more areas, and, and, and hiring more employees. Like I, I tell everybody, like, we have to grow. There's other employees wanting to come here yeah. that, that want a better life and a better environment and you know and, and as we grow and learn we learn more things and we can we can teach more things to other people as yeah. we learn and grow our, yeah. our leaderships grow so we're just going to keep doing the basic foundational stuff that we continue to do yeah. and uh and 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 do it because it, we're making a small difference in the in the world I, you know i believe we're all we're all doing that that's our responsibility i, I think it's great you guys have this idea i mean 15 percent is attainable you know i in our industry there's so many I'm going to do hundred percent every year. And I'm like, you're just going to lose money, you know, but it's yeah. that ego that drives it. I think you guys have a great perspective on how to do it well. Right. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Any, any last thoughts for you, Scott, with the business and where things are going and happy to be a part of the team? It sounds like. Yeah. Oh, and I, I yeah, just in where I began, I, who would ever thought I could be in such a noble profession and partner with Adam to change the minds of people about how contractors right. really do things. So, you know, being, wanting to be best in class and delivering on that promise uh, means a lot to us. And I, I'm grateful to be a part of, uh, on the journey and a part of it. So it's, it's great. Well, good stuff. Well, thank you so much for all your time, guys. I really appreciate it. I had a blast. Hopefully it wasn't too long. Like I said, it's good. <laughs> no, all right. Thank you so much. I hope you've enjoyed today's show. If so, please like and subscribe on YouTube. If you're on your favorite podcast player, please leave us a five-star review. The two seconds you take to leave a review will help other success-minded contractors like you find us and hopefully get a little bit better, which elevates our entire industry. And please join me for future episodes. This has been The Successful Contractor, powered by CertainPath. Support for this podcast comes from Goodman. Have you heard? Goodman has turned HVAC on its side. At first glance, the new Goodman SD Inverter Heating and Cooling System for ducted homes looks very different than your traditional system. But at 53% lighter and 40% smaller than a traditional cube-style unit, it's easy to transport and is designed to optimize space, comfort, and performance. The Goodman's GTST thermostat has a compact, non-intrusive design featuring voice control through Amazon Alexa and Google Home. Goodman remains focused on providing high-quality products at an affordable price. It's no wonder homeowners and local contractors say, thank goodness for Goodman. Be sure to visit GoodmanMFG.com or follow Goodman Air Conditioning and Heating on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube to see more on a new Goodman SD. The Successful Contractor Podcast is part of the Certain Path family. CertainPath builds successful home service businesses and has for 23 years. 
We do it by providing contractors with a proven path to success, professional coaching, software solutions, and a member community of over 1,000 contractors just like you. Doubling your sales with a 20% net profit and an inspiring company culture is all possible. Let us show you the way. With CertainPath, success is made certain. Visit www.mycertainpath.com for more information.